You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I am your host, Kane Pittman, joined by the founder of brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. Frank, happy Thanksgiving to you. I, I don't know. I've, I've sort of, I think over the last couple of years, I've become more comfortable saying that. It's something that I, I feel I can say. This is actually the first Thanksgiving since I think 2015 that I've been in Australia. So it's a little bit weird for me, but, but how are you doing? How was your, how was your travels? Uh, it was good. I uh, got. I mean, I think as people can can hear, I've had a bit of a cold slash. I don't know, maybe some allergies here, the past few days. But um, you know, I feel relatively okay, and I'm at my in-laws, so we have lots of loving aunts and grandmas to uh, shower my daughter with love slash, uh, you know, deal with her and let me be lazy and check my phone and read internet stuff. Uh, and watch basketball games. So, um, yeah, I had a very, uh, very easy start to my holiday weekend today. Sort of half worked and uh, watched a lot of Champions League soccer this afternoon. And uh, you know, Bucks maybe uh, not heading into Thanksgiving on the most inspiring note. But you know, just as they have been doing, they just kind of keep grinding out these. Uh, not super convincing, but ultimately, you know, the I don't know how many. I need to check how many nine-point wins they've had. They're uh, they're definitely not not uh, helping their chances of uh, of reaching that uh, that forty-five double-digit win mark they had last year. I think I've mentioned that before, um, which we talked about in our preseason over/under. But uh, I think they're at seven double-digit wins so far this season, and they've left a few on the table here, including two against Atlanta now. I think so. Um, yeah, not a not the most inspiring win, but good to see Chris Middleton back returning the lineup. Uh, I would say a very positive return for him. 16 points in 20 minutes, including a big three and some important plays down the stretch. And uh, alas, Jabari Parker bested Giannis in the box score department. But um, even uh, you know Jabari's best was sort of is pretty much just like a decent Giannis night, and ultimately. Uh, Bucks just a little bit too much for the Hawks, who dropped to four and fourteen. So, yeah, a game you you wanted to win against an Atlanta team that obviously has been struggling to uh, play defense, struggling to to beat anyone. And tonight, Bucks not great offensively, but actually uh, pretty good defensively, holding down an Atlanta team that you know ultimately obviously they can score points. Yeah, we're sort of getting very used to saying this after Bucks wins at the moment, but it was one of those games where again I'm watching, I'm like, okay, well. You know, in the fourth quarter, Giannis is probably going to be too much for the Hawks. I mean, they're, they're four for 14. They're not a good defensive team, as you pointed out. But that this, the 42 points they gave up to the Hawks in the second quarter really sort of kept them in the game. And 
uh, you know, just before we started recording, you were mentioning that, you know, maybe one of these games, they're eventually going to slip up if they keep letting teams into them. And when you're coming up against a team, you already mentioned Jabari Parker had a big night. Uh, but when you're going against a guy like Trey Young, 12 for 24 from the field tonight, he had 29 points. I, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't say it was a dominant performance from him, but when you're playing against a shooter like him, if you leave it close into the fourth quarter, eventually uh, one of those guys is going to get you. But yeah, Giannis, uh, again, while, while you mentioned that, that Parker's obviously had a big night in the box score, outside of the free throw shooting and three-point shooting, Giannis was pretty dominant inside and the 13 free throw attempts, again, probably indicate that um, he, he seemed to be able to get what he wanted inside, but the Jabari matchup is interesting and we may as well start there because... I thought late in the second quarter, there was a couple of factors here and the flagrants, probably one thing we can talk about. And then just in general, uh, how it, it seemed to me that Giannis was getting a little bit caught up with this matchup with Jabari. Uh, he, he chucked up a couple of not great shots and it seemed like he had Jabari in front of him. So he was like, okay, well, I'm going to score here because you've been putting up uh, huge points. And there was a possession late in the first half where he was waving everyone off because he had Jabari in front of him. He ended up passing the ball to, to Dante, uh, I think it was. But you could tell late in this first half that Giannis was, I'm not going to say he was taking it personally, but he wanted to to prove a point and, and score on Jabari every time. And it it sort of fell into that sort of storyline in the second quarter where the Bucks were completely out of sync and the Hawks really made this a game when you were hoping after a 16-point lead in the first quarter for the Bucs, it wasn't going to get to that point. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Jabari, I mean, he started off really hot. So, I mean, the 33-17 lead uh, after after one, I mean, that was even with Jabari playing at, at a really high level. Um, but kind of as the game wore on, uh, you know, Trey Young got more and more into it. I thought um, he just got to the rim on a number of occasions and, and was hitting some floaters. And um, Bucks pick and roll defense, you know, again, usually – you know, we know what they do, right? They force you to uh, to take kind of those in-between shots that, that you know, generally, even though most teams can can hit some of those from time to time, you're not going to hit them at a high enough percentage to really hurt you. Uh, I mean, Trey Young is a guy who can hit those enough that some nights he's he will definitely hurt you on those little floaters, and, and he hit some of those tonight. Um, but he also got to the rim for just some straight-up layups on a number mm-hmm. of occasions tonight. Um, I, you know, again, 60 to 48 was the – points in the paint differential in favor of the Bucks. So I mean ultimately it's not like they uh like lost the paint battle or anything like that, but um I don't think it was anything to to write home about necessarily. Uh obviously Jabari got got loose a number of times. I think the pick and roll um coverage on him was was not great. Uh you know he also had some threes which obviously you know he's he's been really up and down. I mean we saw him improve in that regard while he was in Milwaukee and a little surprised that he hasn't been more consistent these past couple of years since, uh, since he left Milwaukee from three. Um, but, uh, you know, again, he just, he does seem to get up f- for playing the Bucks, which maybe isn't surprising. We've seen him, he had a really, really hot start to a game last year when Chicago as well. And I think that was one that the Bucks, uh, when they had that big deficit, I think that was the game where Jabari had the really hot start. Um, so, you know, tonight he, he carried it over a bit. I mean, I think he had what, 25, of his 33 in the first half. So um, definitely less involved in, in the second half, but um, you know, he clearly came to play and um, it's weird with Giannis. Like normally I feel like Giannis is, is, is too unaggressive playing against Jabari <laughs> um, tonight. It, that doesn't seem to be as much of a problem. 
Um, he seems way too preoccupied with shooting turnaround jumpers against Jabari. It shot a couple of those tonight. Did hit one of them, thankfully. But um, but yeah, I mean, to me, I think the the biggest issue was, uh, you know, again, I mean, the two-point shooting wasn't really a problem. He was 11 out of 18 on twos, but one of five on threes, you know, pretty much short-armed all those misses. And again, just uh, from the free throw line, uh, you know, the misadventures of Giannis continue. Uh, it starts this game 0 for 6, then hits five out of his last seven, including a couple uh, of his last two in the, in the final minute. But um, I, I just don't know what to make of him. I mean, you know, again, he's just – he's uh, – I don't know. He's he's out there. He's trying to figure this out. And, um, you know, one out of six to start last game, 0 for 6 to start this game. Um, it's a problem. I mean, it's not – it's – not like there's some trend that he's getting better right now. And um, I, I don't, I don't really know what, what, what's going to happen with this. I, I don't know when this ends because we have never seen him struggle like this for a per- pronounced uh, period throughout his career. Um, but thankfully, <laughs> even when he isn't shooting or making free throws, uh, he can, he can do so many other things and he's so difficult to stop that, you know, he can still bust out one of his ho-hum 30, 10, four assists, four block, nights um and obviously you know again his you know jabari's career night is basically like an average sort of like ho-hum like what's wrong with the honest night uh because of the free throws which just sort of tells you where the bar is for for these two guys so um so yeah i think uh did not a lot of time with chris overlapping you know chris came off the bench which um surprised me a little bit i just i don't know i just figured Bud might try to just get back to the to the normal starting five with Chris coming back and just, you know, just play Chris for minutes. But um, I think it actually worked out pretty well because Chris came in in the you know, latter stages of that first quarter when Giannis was on the bench. And I think he had seven, seven quick points, I wanted to say. Um, you know, got a three-point play, um, had a nice steal and tightrope and finished to Ursan for a rare dunk. Um, two-handed dunk, too. I don't know how many two-handed <laughs> dunks Ursan's had. Um, but yeah, it was good to see Chris kind of get get engaged pretty early. Brooke Lopez hit three out of four early threes, and then didn't hit anything else the rest of the game. <laughs> I just looking at the box score, I was like, didn't he start three out of four in the first six minutes or so? And yep. then he finished three out of eight for the game with eleven points. Um, so yeah, it was uh, uh, a game that you know certainly was was good to see uh, Chris, you know, taking kind of control of that second unit a bit. Uh, finished with those 16 points only five out of 13 his shot kind of uh went a bit as the game wore on um but uh, after starting a lot of three from from three he hits a big three on a kickout from Giannis uh in the later start stages of the fourth quarter there's bucks were kind of getting that lead out to a more comfortable margin also had a couple free throws I think he hit three out of four free throws and um had a nice dump off for Giannis a two-man game where Giannis got fouled driving and also did a nice job finding Dante DiVincenzo for a layup along the baseline. Um, Dante DiVincenzo taking uh, George Hill's memorial dunker spot position, I guess, with, uh, with with George Hill on the on the bench here, getting some rest with that sore back. So, uh, so yeah, Bucks, you know, still missing George Hill, but um, you know, call it a warm up game for for Chris Middleton. Obviously, good to have him back in twenty minutes. We'll see what that looks like the rest of the game. But um, he's plus thirteen. Giannis was an even zero, which we're not used to seeing. Um, and obviously, uh, you know, a number of the, the those units kind of kind of helped. But, um, yeah, I mean, again, you just sort of survive, get Chris back in the fold. And obviously now you're just trying to build build that rhythm back up with Chris. And 
obviously, uh, you know, hoping to still see guys like Dante and Sterling be able to contribute. Sterling, only 13 minutes tonight, two points, four rebounds. Dante with uh, George Hill out, not surprisingly, still 28 minutes, uh, 12 points on 10 shots, six rebounds, two assists, 0 for 3 from 3. Had some super wild-ass uh, layup attempts as that continues to be an adventure. But uh, but overall, and George and Wes Matthews, another double-figure game. Maybe not uh, – the, mo- the, the most impressive game from West Matthews, but four out of nine, ten points, two out of six from three, his doubles, doubles figure streak, I guess is now in five games, so that's, that's something. Yeah, West Matthews again, as you said, under the radar there, but he did hit a big uh, three in the fourth quarter. And and just back to Middleton, I, I sort of agree. I mean, I, I kind of assumed even with a minutes restriction that he would start, but possibly, um, you know, if Bud's projecting out the way that he wants to play, then he's like, okay, yeah, as you sort of mentioned, it, it automatically uh, lets you stagger Giannis and Chris in the first quarter. And then in the fourth quarter, he knows he's going to be playing, playing him anyway, so it didn't really matter. And I think that that was um, obviously pretty telling in the third quarter. Uh, where the game just sort of kept plodding along and you're like, okay, it's still close. The Hawks seem to be making this shot every time. <laughs> you think the Bucks might get a break. And then, uh, and Middleton sat a lot of that out. And in the fourth quarter, you, you, you mentioned the, the three plays that sort of stand out for me. Um, I mean, he, he just knows. I think the big thing is with Giannis on two of those plays, the, the, the first one was the, uh, the, the three from Giannis where Jabari, I mean, first of all, we know that Jabari's focus levels when he's not on ball defending are uh, not great. And and you could see that Chris, uh, it was just a little shuffle to the left. And, and first of all, that made the pass easier for Giannis to get it to him. But it also was just enough separation that Jabari was never going to be able to get a, a decent contest on that one. So um, I, I think it's just the knowledge of those two. They've played together for a long time now. And the familiarity of them two in the two-man game with with Chris dumping the ball back to Giannis, allowing him to get to the free throw line. Uh, it, it just looked... The offense at times looked better with Chris in there. And I think in that first quarter stretch that you touched on, yeah, he had seven points uh, two for, on two for three shooting, got to the foul line a couple of times in just five minutes. And I think what you saw, which we've spoke about a lot, when you look at the guys that... Uh, have replaced him with Sterling and Dante and the things that they can do and you compare that to Chris, what you saw with Milton is a guy that can just get to his spot and there's a couple of times where they just gave him the ball and he's like, hey guy, I got a smaller guy on me, on me which we know how he feels about that. And he's like, I'm just going to back this guy down exactly where I want him and, t- and shoot a nice little bank shot and and that's what the Bucks have missed and yes, it was only just the Hawks but it was good to see Chris in there and making some plays in the fourth quarter and even though he probably was shaking off a, a little bit of rust, uh, in the end, when you look at the the bench units, as as you sort of mentioned, the Bucks didn't get a lot else. So Ersan had a couple of those trademark uh, two-handed tip-ins. You mentioned the two-handed dunk, but he has those uh, putbacks that I feel like he might be doing in the NBA for like another decade, where he just jumps up and down with his hands high in the air and and just puts it back. But yeah, I, in the end you could probably argue that the Bucks kind of needed Chris Milton in it. It's funny because they've been playing some bad teams and we've said uh, that the schedule has helped them keep winning. But tonight he came up with some big plays late and uh, the Bucks were able to again, uh, just, just keep racking up those wins. It's nine in a row. They haven't done that for a long time. Middleton and Ilyasova took more than three shots off the bench. Uh, you know, Lopez, 12 minutes, Rolo, 12 minutes. 
Uh, Corver just six first half minutes, did hit a three. Sterling, 13 minutes, relatively quiet. Uh, and Pat Connaughton, 19 minutes. Um, Sterling and Pat only hitting one out of two each. Um, but Ursan was very productive. I mean, three offensive rebounds, eight rebounds total, 13 points, 19 minutes, a steal, a block. Uh, yeah, I mean, he was good. I mean, this is in, and this is not a couple games in a row that Ursan has actually played pretty well after obviously an extended period where he's hasn't looked great and then had the uh, the heel issue that, that kept him out. Um, so he seems to be back to playing pretty well. That said, uh, there was that lineup in the second half at one point where Bud went to a – basically Atlanta went small and Bud wanted to get Giannis a blow and it ended up being Urson and four basically wings slash guards. And, I mean, I don't know what, what they were plus minus wise, but like – that is not – that just does not feel like it's any type of recipe, especially because they were – you know, like I mentioned, Young was kind of getting where he wanted to go, and it's like, okay, you're you're thinking that, you know, you're going to be able to slow down their pick and roll playing zone drop with, like, Ursa. I, I don't know. It, it just is, is a little bit uh, frustrating to watch, especially because the Bucks were struggling, obviously, to uh, – to kind of get to a real lead uh, against a team that obviously expected them to beat. So um, that was a strange lineup choice, but um, you know, again, uh, we'll see kind of how this evolves. Obviously you start to see Chris back in that starting five here pretty soon. So um, you know, that, that obviously will kind of lead to some additional changes in how the rotations go. But um, yeah, let's just say this. If there isn't a center out there, I want Giannis out there. (laughs) Uh, all the other options, uh, we know. I mean, maybe you could talk me into DJ, but DJ isn't playing right now, so um, there's there's no real other options that that are palatable to me. You know, either Brooke or or Giannis has to be out there for my for my taste, and I guess I guess a, a Rolo appearance is also okay, just from a to kind of give you some type of defensive presence. But tonight was obviously a bit of a weird game. Atlanta likes to play some small lineups, and um, obviously they had some. Uh, had some runs at the Bucks, you know, didn't didn't look particularly engaged during. Yeah, I actually had I actually noted down that exact lineup that you pointed to, and that that was the the group that was on the floor uh, when I think we saw Bud at he's angriest tonight when he called that timeout when uh, Trey Young sort of just just walked into the into the paint for a layup uh, that gave the Hawks an eighty one seventy seven lead uh, with four thirty three to go in the third quarter and. Uh, yeah, that lineup didn't come back out, <laughs> which uh, I don't think is is the, a surprise to anyone. But it is interesting. Look at the rotation, and this is something I, I spoke a little bit about with, with Justin yesterday. And I'd be you know, curious to see how you think this is going to shake out because uh, in the last game against Utah, um, we mentioned that well, first of all, Brooks' minutes went way up, but Robin only played uh, two minutes. And tonight we go back to the. What we've seen has been a kind of a standard level of minutes for them over the last little stretch here. Uh, the Lopez brothers in the first 10 games of the season uh, were averaging 41 minutes per game. Uh, that's dropped down to around 37 over the last eight now for them too. We're seeing that starting to come down. We're seeing some experimentation with some smaller lineups, as you mentioned. Most of the time, that is with Giannis at the five. Uh, obviously, tonight, that was, that was a weird sort of one with Ursan there. But I, I'm not sure whether we're going to see this continue to, to drop or whether that 35, 36 minutes seems like the right 
uh, number for the Lopez brothers. And when we were discussing the rotation and, and now Chris Middleton comes in and this is a guy that plays 30 minutes uh, and Dante and Sterling are the two guys you think might take a hit. Tonight it was certainly Sterling. Uh, maybe those small lineups are something that allows those guys to to stay uh, in the rotation and playing a, a significant role. Um, the other point to note tonight was was Pat Connaughton, who who did play 19 minutes. Uh, the Bucks weren't good when he was on the floor, and he had a couple of those uh, sort of head scratching plays that he has from time to time, where he 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 sort of goes all out for the block and then sort of takes off looking for the for the sort of the cherry pick basket down the other end. He caught, got caught in the air a couple of times and just threw the ball to to no one. Um, not a great night for Pat. But with those three guys, that's where those minutes seem to be. Uh, yeah, that's where the hit's going to be for those three. Yeah, and it's kind of, I, I was sort of trying to look here at uh, kind of in-game splits to see, you know, is there a, a culprit? Like, are the Bucks struggling in like a certain a certain quarter or something like that? And it's actually kind of funny because, I mean, there isn't like, it's not like they're a disaster in any, or they're even like remotely bad in any quarter. I mean, they're, you know, you just look at this team and as much as like, it's like, eh, you know, doesn't feel it feels like they're like at like 80 percent maybe what they could be it's like they're 15 and 3 and have the best point differential <laughs> in the game right i mean you know they're plus 9.4 in fourth quarters uh i'll just do these real quick as it kind of kind of go back for you guys there's plus 9.6 in third quarters um they are i think it was plus 5.5 in second quarters which is their worst their ninth they're plus 5.5 in second quarters and in first quarter i think there's like plus uh, 12.1. So their worst quarter is the second quarter where they outscore teams by an average of 5.5 points per 100. So <laughs> just, I, I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. I mean, it's just, I mean, in a good way, it's, it just seems like they are, um, you know, as much as it feels like kind of playing with their food a little bit, uh, obviously they've had now an extended stretch against uh, lesser teams after um you know, again, maybe they missed some, they missed some, uh, some good teams or good players uh, sitting out some games uh, when they played actually some pretty good teams. But, um, but uh, you know, for the most part, obviously, you got to give them credit. They've been very consistent kind of all year, and um, you know, it's it's just one of these things. They're just racking up wins, uh, and obviously, you know, especially with Middleton having just been out, you know just banking wins is is a very good place to be. Um, as we're recording this, the uh, Lakers and Pelicans, I don't want to jinx the Pelicans, but the Pelicans are up by 15 in the third quarter in Anthony Davis's return. Um, so we'll see if they can hang on. Obviously, if, uh, if they hang on, then that would uh, give the Lakers their third loss as well. So not that the um, overall you know league lead and winning percentage is the most important thing in the world at this stage of the season, but... Um, I mean, we're, we're a quarter of the way, almost through the season, right? We're, uh, you know, between a quarter and a fifth of the way through the season, which is kind of remarkable how time flies. But, um, you know, in the grand scheme of things, obviously, other than the Middleton injury, now you've got him back. Um, you know, you have to feel pretty good just the way the team has been kind of been able to, you know, I don't want to say coast, but, you know, they just kind of know what they are and they know how to play and they know what to do. And uh, even with some kind of bobbles along the way, night to night it's just they're just a really tough team to beat and that's obviously a good place to be
yeah, this is something that I, I've, I guess, battled with, like trying to figure out where I sit on this <laughs> over the first few, uh, first month, I guess now it has been. Um, but it, it's, it is kind of weird because we've had a number of conversations, you know, really weekly conversations like, okay, well, yeah, the Bucks are sort of just winning and they're struggling and well, these players have missed all these games and uh, opposition that is. And the Bucks haven't looked great at times, but yeah, it's crazy to sit here and think that they're a game and a half clear at, at the top of the East. And at times you would like to see this team be able to win games without Giannis going to that uh, extra level. As fun as it is to watch, it's like, yeah, sometimes you would like this team to be able to just beat a team and have Giannis sit out a fourth quarter and not go into the uh, every single fourth quarter, even against bad teams sitting there and thinking, well, we got Giannis, so we're probably going to win. You know, you, you would like him to be able to get some rest. And, and I do wonder, and this is something I mentioned yesterday, I do wonder if he has got a night off coming up. I mean, uh, his minutes are still great. Like when you look at his minutes per game, they're sitting right around where they were last year. He's not, uh, we've seen before with Bud, he's not the type of guy that's that's going to, or very rarely he's going to play Giannis, like huge minutes in order to uh, ensure a game. Uh, is one in November. And particularly that comes from the first half. Like Bud has his rotation with Giannis and that's it. That doesn't really change. Um, so I think, you know, minutes minutes load wise, Giannis is fine. But it, it is still something that, yeah, I, I'm like, okay, well, uh, the Bucks brought back a lot of guys that have already been here. So there's not, while there's been some experimentation, the chemistry is not an issue with this team. Uh, yes, they had Bledsoe coming to the season injured and now Middleton's obviously miss, missed an extended stretch. They had a heavy road schedule to start the season. But I don't think they've been near their best as a team. Outside of Giannis, obviously, he's been incredible. But uh, I do think you have to sit back and think that this is a positive thing for this team. That, yeah, you, you can nitpick and, and say, okay, well, this could be better. We're unsure about this. Uh, Bud's trying these lineups. I'm not not sure how I feel about that. It's not affecting the wins and losses. And uh, this team is still right on track to to be a top two seed in the East, which is what we all sort of predicted at the start of the season. Yeah, it's remarkable. I mean, as much as, you know, I think as Bucks fans, we're always going to find things to bicker about and the bar is now high enough that, you know, you're always going to be looking for things that could be, you know, what's the fatal flaw, you know, that could prevent you from winning a championship. You know, that we can always, I mean, look, we – it's not just Bucks fans, but definitely Bucks fans do this. Like we're going to find reasons to bicker about things. We should be traded, you know, the whole Brogdon litigation, all that stuff. Um, that's fine. That's just the way it is. But yeah, I mean, you look at kind of where this team was, you know, six weeks ago, uh, whenever kind of coming into this season and our expectations, which were very high. Um, if you told me they'd go 15 and three, Middleton would miss some time with, you know, a leg injury, but it would come back. Uh, it forced, you know, some of these young guys to get more minutes, um, you know, 15 and three best point differential in the league. There's nothing really to complain about sort of at the macro level, Giannis playing at the incredible level he's been, um, you know, the, the only real thing I can think of is Giannis's free throw shooting. Um, but pretty much everything else, um, I think is going about as you could have reasonably hoped if, or, or a bit better. Um, and, uh, and again, you know, there's maybe some few things here and there. Yes. Brooke Lopez shooting threes, not quite as well as we'd like things like that. But, um, you know, sort of when you look at just the fundamentals of this team, I tweeted out a, a look at their four factors, um, the other day on offense and defense. And 
I mean, it's, it's remarkable how similar it is to last year when they were obviously, <laughs> you know, elite on both ends of the floor and they remain elite on both ends of the floor this year. And, uh, so yeah, Thanksgiving, what are we thankful for? I think we're thankful for, you know, for the most part, good health. Uh, you had into Thanksgiving with Chris coming back, looking solid in his return, obviously George Hill, you hope he'll be back soon from, uh, the sore back. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, again, I think a, a blessed time to be a Milwaukee Bucks fan when we're 15 and three and, uh, we can look at this team and say, they can, they can play better, right? I mean, best, uh, more or less, you know, close to best record in the East, close to the Lakers for best record in the league uh, and best point differential. I mean, there's, um, there's a lot to be thankful for, for how well this team is performing. And again, you can't win a playoff series in, in November, but um, you know, for, for what they've done and where they are right now, I think you have to feel pretty good. So one thing I, I didn't, touch on and I, for me it was pretty clear cut but i guess there were some people on um uh, twitter or box fans that were wondering about this so i think it's probably worth a mention and that was just the the flagrant on on Giannis. um i mean to me put it this way if, if someone if Giannis was out there shooting a jump shot and a defender had his foot under his like that like and it was generally in his landing space in my opinion then I would be pretty pissed off about the possibility of Giannis getting hurt. So I felt okay about that flagrant. I, I don't know. Is, is, is that clear cut? I mean, it seemed clear cut to me, but is that how you felt? Um, I, I, am, I find it amazing how like randomly they call that. For sure. uh, I, re- I remember, I think, you know, this is all started, a, what was it, two years ago? I think Zaza Pachulia had the... Um, the play where he puts his, or maybe it was three years ago. I guess it was probably three years ago, right? Because um, oh, yeah. it, it was against, uh, it was against Kawhi and Kawhi last year, obviously in Toronto a year before that, he pretty much sat out the season in, in San Antonio. So it must've been the year before that. So, um, so yeah, I, I think it's a 16, 17 season, probably in the set 2017 playoffs. I think it was, uh, you know, Zaza basically gets under Kawhi lands on it, turns his ankle and you know, the rest is history. But um, I remember Tony Snell getting called for a flagrant on, Basically, he went straight up, and a guy like floated on. Like, like a guy was like, like had his formal momentum, yeah. and Tony got called for a flagrant. I remember thinking, like, okay, this is just like this. Is this rule going to really be applied this way? And then it like was seemed like it was like never called. And like Chris, Chris, I think um, because especially when he because he does that like pull up where his momentum is going forward a little bit. Um, I feel like Chris gets like lands on guys feet um probably more than than most and i feel like i've seen that call like two or three times in the last like two years like i'm i'm amazed how rarely it gets called a foul much less a flagrant foul and it's so it's just very strange randomly applied it seems um because if you're going layer the law uh yeah i mean it was a little hard to see because Giannis kind of came from the side um, and his one foot kind of got under under Jabari a little bit, um, but you could see Jabari's ankle turn. Um, so, you know, I mean, if that's the rule, that's the rule. But uh, I also feel, uh, you know, it just is not called a lot. Um, I don't think you know they got rid of people, uh, you know, landing landing getting under people's feet on 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 long shots. Um, you know, the old Bruce Bowen move. So, um, so yeah, st- strange play. Um, obviously not a, 
a great thing uh, to see at that point in the game. But um, but uh, that's something I feel like you see as much as probably it should be if you're going to actually call it that way. Yeah, so that I think that's a fair point, and and that that is certainly a, something that um, probably uh, sparks the interest of fans. Are like, well, okay, well, we see this all the time. I I will say that I think that that rule, and I think the Middleton uh, example you you touched on is is perfect because it's hard to call that foul if if the guy taking the shot is moving, and that's why it's sort of weird. But the the actual rule really should only be enforced on catch and shoot i uh, i mean i know that's hard to say but if if the guy is moving in midair if the shoot is moving in midair at all then that becomes hard for the defender to really do anything and i think the other thing is you see so many guys floppy i mean you, you look at james harden and uh, i mean seriously like he he even if there's no contact first of all he, he kicks his legs out and then he ends up on his back after every shot attempt so um for the officials i guess it becomes hard to call but on, on this occasion considering he was sort of camped in the corner, maybe it, it stood out a little bit more. I'm not too sure. I, I just think that, you know, when I looked at the replay, I was like, yeah, I mean, it wasn't intentional. And I think that's the confusion. Like you see a flagrant and I think people think of someone getting, uh, you know, hit in the head or whatever it may be. Um, but yeah, I mean, I felt okay about it. When I looked at replay, I was like, yeah, you don't really want guys coming down on, on people's feet like that. But, um, you know, again, considering the whistle that Giannis has had <laughs> over the course of the season, uh, him being the guy that gets that flagrant, certainly I can understand why people are like, are you serious? Come on. This guy can't get a call for anything. And you're going to call him a flagrant for that. Yeah. It felt like there were a few, like uh, Vince Carter, like he finished uh, the first time he posted up Vince Carter tonight, he finished through what looked like a foul that had a no call. There were like, I think one or two other plays where it looked like it should have been and ones and, and there weren't calls. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, again, it's just you know, you got to bigger and stronger than everybody. So um, that's that's an issue. Like referees just let those guys get away with more against him. Um, and by the way, I'm just going to apologize because the Lakers are within two midway through the fourth quarter. So I, I, I need I need to reverse jinx this back the other way because I implied that the Lakers might lose. So the Lakers clearly on their way to uh, their 16th win in 18 games. Um, so yes, the Bucks will definitely not be have the best record in basketball. When you guys hear this, definitely not. Lakers easily going to win this game, even though they're down two points right now. Well, I was actually. It's funny you bring that up because I was starting to sweat a little bit in the third quarter today because uh, on yesterday's podcast with Justin, we were looking ahead at the schedule a little bit, and I did mention something along the lines of the fact the Bucks could be nineteen and three when uh, Luka Doncic comes to town and. I would normally be fine with that. I probably wouldn't have thought about it. It was just something I said. And then, but when someone calls you out on Twitter and says, if the Bucks lose tonight, it's your fault for saying this on the record. And, and that happened. And when the Hawks got in front, I was like, oh, no. But uh, our friend Gabe Stoltz uh, asked Giannis after the game what his favorite Thanksgiving food is. And he said, mac and cheese. I like turkey and gravy as well. Whatever you put in front of me, I'm going to eat. I'm 6'11", man. And... Yeah, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, I, I'm I'm sure this guy eats a lot, and we've seen before on his Snapchat and all the rest that that he does eat a lot. But what about you? What are you eating tomorrow? What's your What's your favorite thing? I feel like everyone asks this, so I'm I'm just gonna try and I'm gonna just try and fit in here and ask you the question. You're gonna live vicariously through me from from Australia this year. Uh, well, um, 
normally uh, Thanksgiving means fried turkey uh, at my in-laws, but unfortunately my brother-in-law is, uh, is gone this year. So he's there, there with his family. So I'm being denied my, uh, my fried turkey, which is a bummer. Mm. Cause once you go fried turkey, I feel like you can't go back to regular turkey, but, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm still a, uh, even if it's from the oven, I, I'm a big turkey fan, mashed potatoes and gravy. Uh, I'm not really a huge stuffing person. Uh, I'm, I'm decidedly anti mac and cheese just in general in life. I don't really like mac and I've never liked mac and cheese, which feels like a, you know, something you shouldn't say if you're supposed yeah, to be from Wisconsin. But, me. I don't think I've ever heard anyone say that, honestly. Yeah. Not really a fan. I'm also not really a big like dessert uh dessert person in general um not like a big pie person um but my wife who's who's staring at me now she made an apple pie so um, <laughs> i love apple sure pie by the way i'm sure now, it's delightful so now i'm very jealous apple pie. yeah so we'll we'll see but but yeah I, I i don't know they're always like i think my relatives also they always have like uh they're like yams like or like sweet potato like like really sweet like sweet potato dishes but i just skip all that stuff i'm i'm gonna get enough like just calories and just bloatedness from just crushing lots of turkey and mashed potatoes and gravy so i, I try to minimize the uh the grazing i do on all the other stuff nice it sounds delicious i am hungry now um and yeah i don't know what i'll be doing tomorrow i guess uh just eating a tub of vegemite or something like that <laughs> over here <laughs> I, I didn't, what else would i be doing over just, here just in listening to listening to men at work maybe throw on some crocodile dundee yeah wash uh, it down with a can of fosters yeah, shave with a huge knife or something like that. Yeah, it's a regular, it's a regular old Thursday and uh, down under for for good old Kane. So yeah. anyway, no basketball to watch. But you said you said the wife's looking at you. I feel like that might be the the, the perfect time to wrap it up. Uh, I don't want to take any more of your family time, but uh, thanks for thanks for jumping on on uh, another another box win and in uh, on location, Frank Madden on location. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody.